0: We have Coach Christina back on today's episode. She was with us last week. So if you did not hear last week's episode, listen to that first and then join us here. We're going to jump right into the conversation. Speaking of boundaries, you know, the more we can boundary ourselves from the abusive behavior, the more peaceful and calm that we can become. Can you talk about how you make boundaries simple for yourself and your clients?
1: So I make boundaries very simple. I was watching a vlog one day with Brene Brown and she said, Oh yeah, this is very easy. It triggered for me what is okay and not okay. And I encourage our clients that the first boundary you will ever make is for yourself and to step back and say, wait a minute, is that okay? Or is it not okay? If it's not okay, I need to make sure I'm safe. And I make it just that simple. Is this okay for me? No, it's not okay. It's absolutely not okay. Okay, or, okay, that is okay. Then I can walk alongside you with that. But if it's not okay, it is my responsibility. Abuse is never okay. Scripture does not support abuse in any way, shape, or form. It is not our role to submit to abuse. It is not okay. It is okay for us to maintain safe, Boundaries for ourselves and for our family. That is okay. And no one has that right to choose that for us but us.
0: I find that I experience this as I'm talking with victims all over the world that a lot of times they'll say, is this okay? So they'll say, he does this and it bothers me, but is this abuse? As if someone else needs to tell them if what they're experiencing is acceptable or not. They feel uncomfortable about it, but then let's say Anne Blythe of Betrayal Trauma Recovery says to them, oh, no, that's fine. That's not abuse. And then that's kind of gaslighting them. And then they'd be like, well, okay, I guess Anne said that him grabbing a cookie out of my hand, and shoving it in his face is an abuse. So I guess I accept that. Like, I want to give women the confidence that like, nobody needs to tell you if it's okay or not. Like, is it okay with you? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel safe? And what someone else might feel is fine, acceptable behavior, you're very uncomfortable with and it makes you feel bad and you don't like it. Like that's the only thing you need to pay attention to. And that's enough. So if your clergy says, oh, that's not a big deal. All men do that. If a therapist is like, oh, well, you just need to understand him more. And then, then you would understand why he does that. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to think, is this acceptable to me? Is this something that I feel comfortable with in my own home?
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And one of the things that I encourage our clients in is your woman's intuition. It's God given to you for you to use. It is beautiful. It is unique. It identifies you and you know, inside of yourself, oh, wait a minute, that is really not okay. Hold up. I did not feel safe. You know, introducing the proper words, wait, are you safe? You know, can you be vulnerable? You know, is the truth in this relationship? Is the relationship honest? Are you safe? And your intuition is your greatest gift, your very own for you. In time, be able to even validate yourself and say, wait a minute. I'm listening to my intuition. I am not safe. Oh, that was not communicated well. I was just gaslit and I know that for myself. That is one of our goals at BTR. And I'm so thankful for that because a lot of times when a woman has been abused for so long, that part of her has been dismissed. She's been taught to stuff it down. She's been taught to listen to everybody else except herself. And that's a woman's greatest strength is her intuition. I think
0: clergy concerns and therapist concerns Are like, well, we don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. So we don't want to call this abuse because the consequences of that are just too extreme. And so they try to avoid that. And I think one of the reasons women are concerned about learning about abuse is because they're concerned that it will be abuse, as if reading Lundy Bancroft's book will create abuse out of thin air when it didn't exist before. And I want to tell women, like, if you read that book and then you say, oh, this is not what I'm experiencing, then you can know it's not abuse. Learning about abuse doesn't create abuse out of thin air. It helps you recognize what's going on. The other thing that I have found is that as I have learned more and more about what abuse is, how it works, what the underlying issues are, like control, manipulation, misogyny, things like that, I've also learned more about what healthy behaviors are. And I've actually felt more and more safe in the world because I can more clearly see abuse while it's happening in real time, right? I can witness something and be like, oh, that's abuse. In fact, I was at Sequoia National Park and there was a man and a woman. They had been waiting, but then a line formed and they were not in the line. So they were there first, but they didn't get into the line on time for the shuttle. And he said to her, what's wrong with you? we woke up at four o'clock in the morning to do this. Now we have to be at the back of the line and I don't know what's wrong with you. I stopped them and I pointed right at him at his chest and I said, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with her. I don't know what your problem is, but whatever it is, something is wrong with you. And then I tried to give her a very compassionate look. But in that moment, I knew that is abuse. Like I'm going to say something in this moment. And similarly with healthy men that I now observe, I'm like, oh, that's healthy. That's not abuse. So I want to let women off the hook and say that learning about abuse is not going to create abuse out of thin air. You are being abused whether you know it or not.
1: Yes, yes. And that was exactly going to say this, the same thing. You know, the idea of creating a mountain out of a mold hill The mountain is already there. It's just a matter of if you're going to define it properly, diagnose it properly, identify properly as abuse and get to safety. If anybody else will recognize this as the truth, the clergy, all of those who would say that and ignoring the actual abuse is not going to make it any better. So actually opening up and reading the book, getting the information that will help you to address, oh, this is who he really is. This is who has been in my house in my bed this is my husband and it does strengthen you when you see abusive situations to actually stand up to and you identify it so much quicker because now your intuition is informed you're like oh my intuition was telling me right this entire time and you're strengthened and you know you can know the difference and clearly identify it especially if you're not ignoring the mountain that's already there because the mountain is already there it's not a mole <laughs>
0: Yeah, what they're doing is making a molehill out of a
1: mountain, right? Exactly right. (laughs) And that mountain is going to crush her. It is going to crush her. And then what? I mean, you know, and it's so unfortunate because they'll say that. And by the time she's actually at a place of saying something, the mountain is already crushing her. Then there's more to come by the time she's even able to express herself. It doesn't just get better over time when it's not addressed properly.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So, Betrayal
0: Trauma Recovery is interfaith and interparadigm. We welcome everyone here. We have agnostics who listen to the podcast, atheists, and Christians, Jewish women. Everyone is welcome here. When we speak from a perspective of a woman of faith, we're just speaking from our own experience, but not necessarily telling other women that they need to process it this way. So, because Christina is a woman of faith, One of the things that I've heard you say a lot is that you really like to build value for yourself and create value in God's word. Can you talk about how God's word has helped you feel that you have value?
1: Absolutely. You know, the idea that in God's word, it says that I'm worth more than the whole world to God and that, you know, when he defines love, love is patient. It is kind. It is not rude. It's not boastful. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. I mean, he's talking about me and how much God loves me. And in his love, because I'm a woman, I'm supposed to believe that I'm supposed to be an object and an object of abuse. I'm neither. God made me and he shaped me and he loves me. And just like, you know, there are way more scriptures about evil in the Bible. And that's what he calls, he calls sin and what our husbands have done. He calls it evil. And he said that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And he died and he gave himself for the church. And that's what I love about God. That is my value. My value is not defined by this experience I've had with my husband, it's already defined in God's word. And that's a place where I don't have to give any man is that place where God has said, I am loved and I am his. And that's what I think that I did in the beginning of my marriage and coming into the church. I do believe the scripture was misappropriated Ephesians chapter five. And it was almost taught to us in the way that the husband can act any kind of way, and they we're dealing with more of the core of his abuse. He can be not nice. He can be unkind. He can stonewall. He can even darvel. None of those things were addressed back then, and your job is you're just supposed to submit, and that is not true. I look at submission completely different. It means under the mission, and the mission is Christ. The mission is not to be abused or to be punished or to be an object. That is not Christ's mission. The mission is Christ and his will. And my husband was supposed to submit to Christ. I submit to that. And the moment he did not, then I have no responsibility to submit to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah, for us Christians, submitting to God, right, and submitting to truth, submitting to righteousness is really important to us. And so many women feel like I need to submit to my husband because that's what the scriptures say, but they don't realize what they're submitting to is evil. They're submitting to evil. And God does not want us to do that.
1: Not at all. I believe Jesus said that when Satan lies, it's in his character. He lies from his character. And I thought that was so good when I joined BTR because I was so surprised. You know, I kept hearing addiction and things like that. My husband had a sexual addiction. And then to find out, oh, no, this is his character. This was his choice. It was an integrity problem. He had an integrity abuse problem. I was just blown away that, no, this is a thinking problem. He had, he had, he's a misogynist. He has misogynistic thinking and he lacked empathy. He had empathy for himself, but he definitely didn't have empathy for his low wife and, The misogynistic views he had for his wife, he didn't have that. And so I just absolutely love the truth here at BTR because it calls it out for what it is. And no man, no husband is above God's word. And because he's a husband, he's not subjugated to other parts of scripture where he lies It's evil. He watches porn. It's evil. He commits adultery. It's evil if he has wickedness in his heart, it is evil. And that's what God's word says. And I'm sticking to that.
0: Yeah, me too. (laughs) So (laughs) there have been several clergy people that tell me things like, well, porn is an adultery. And I'm like, "Mm, I think, Jesus would have the final say on that. And he says that it's adultery, right? Or these men aren't bad guys. And I'm like, well, you know, the scriptures call them wicked. So I think I'll stick with what the scriptures say. Thank you very much. I find peace in the scriptures and I find so much healing there that God really hates this. He loves us. For the women who find the scriptures to be really triggery or they're very difficult for them to read, or church to be triggery or things like that. Our heart goes out to you. So many women have decided to move away from their faith as a result of their abuse. And I wanted to say from a BTR perspective, we understand that too. What makes me really sad in that situation, depending on what the woman is like and what she wants, and we always just support her and what's best for her. What does make me sad about it is sometimes things women really care about, like their faith or maybe other things. Let's pretend like she really super cares about a certain football team. And that has been her identity. And she goes to all the football games and she does a football party and she wears the jersey and everything. And then after she finds out that her husband is an abuser and has been using those football things as a weapon against her. And then suddenly she loses that football team too. She loses the ability to find joy in her team and she can't throw parties anymore. And she like, every time she sees the jersey, she just wants to like throw up. Right. And that's the same thing with women and their faith sometimes in that some women are having a visceral reaction to a man in a suit and tie, for example, or someone reading scriptures or something. And so I just want to Send out love and hugs to you if you have lost something, no matter what it is, your faith, a football team, you know, could be, I don't know, cheesecake, whatever it is. If you have lost something as a result of your husband's abuse and also encourage you that as you heal to determine what things do serve you that you still love and as you heal to reconnect with those things, depending on what those are and where you're at in your healing. Christina, you are an amazing coach, and I'm so grateful that you found BTR and that you've become part of our team. From your perspective now, what advice would you give to women who are just finding out about their husband's porn use?
1: He hid that for years. I knew about that many years ago, and then it was something that, you know, you dealt with. The men in church said, don't tell Christina. <laughs> and once he started back after four years, he hid it. And so I had a dream that he was hiding something that I found out about an affair, which led me to learn that he was still in porn and things like that and was growing it the whole time. So I do have some advice. If you've just found out about your husband's porn use, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. It had nothing to do with the marriage. It had nothing to do with you or, You know, I hear it a lot with our clients. They'll think about all the things they have brought into the marriage, whether their own childhood trauma, the areas where they feel like they fell short, whether it's communication or what they're able to give. Even in the worst marriage, it is still not your fault at all. And my hope is that you as a woman can rest and know that this is 100% his issue not
0: yours. That's really a good place to start. The reason why I wanted to bring up porn use, we talk so much about abuse here at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, and abuse is really hard to figure out, right? You've got all this stuff going on. Is it abuse? Is it not abuse? But one of the easiest markers is porn use. I just want to put everyone's mind at ease or at not at ease, I guess, if you know that your husband has used porn and he's lied to you about it, it's abuse. It's just, that is the easiest marker. It's sort of like someone punching you. Some women say, oh, I just wish that he would punch me in the face. I am mean, not that they actually want to be punched in the face, but that then I would know what was really going on, right? A lot of women say that. I would say that is exactly the same thing you can say about porn. If you know that your husband has used porn, if you've seen it on his phone, or you've had some inkling that it's going on, that is another marker. And it's just as clear as someone punching you in the face. And the unfortunate thing about porn is that if you do get punched in the face with it, if you do see it, then you know, then you know, but they can hide it forever. And then, and also you could never know about it. So in that case, you have to look at all the other abuse markers. And a lot of women will tell me, oh, no, he never used porn, but he'd gaslit, he lied, he had a fair, you know, he did all these other things. And to those women, I always say, well, and you can never know whether or not he used porn or not, but my guess is he did. Because porn is part of this soup of abuse that we experience. And I think it's important to talk about because it's rarely brought up in just mainstream abuse circles. And similarly, in the pornography addiction recovery world, abuse is never talked about. And so at BTR, we want to bring all of these things together so women can have a very clear round picture of the truth and what is happening. Well, Christina, thank you so much for
1: coming on today's episode. Thank you, Anne, so much for having me. It has been a pleasure.
0: We're so excited to have Christina here and excited to have a very strong strong knowledgeable team that can help you if this podcast is helpful to you please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating thank you for helping other women find us if you've already purchased a copy of my book trauma mama husband drama please circle back and give it a five-star rating a lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on amazon and rating trauma mama will help them find this podcast which is free to everyone Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on Support the BTR
1: Podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.